Welcome to Packed with Pearson, a podcast bringing you insights and thought leadership in vertically integrated packaging solutions across a wide range of industries. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Packed with Pearson, a podcast exploring thought leadership in vertically integrated packaging solutions. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Now, today we're discussing AI-driven vision for secondary packaging. We're going to get into all the details surrounding that with two subject matter experts. First, we have Michael Sensky. He's the chairman and CEO of Pearson Packaging Systems. Michael, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely thrilled to have you back on the show, Michael. And joining us for this episode of the show is Brent Barcy. He's the Vice President of Business Development at Plus One Robotics. Brent, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me as well, Tyler. And now that I'm officially a Texas resident as of yesterday, I can say look forward to shooting the bull with you guys today, as they say oh, in yes. Texas. I'm looking forward to lots of y'alls and, uh, you know, and fixing tos and that's, you know, all the Texasisms from you, Brent. Giddy up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> giddy, giddy up. All right. Well, let's giddy up into uh, into the podcast here today. Brent, why don't you get us started just telling us a little bit about the partnership between Pearson and Plus One. What have you guys done together? Uh, just tell us how that works. So yeah, we, we reached out to Pearson about a half a dozen or so months ago just to talk to these guys. I, I, I was executive director of global sales at Fanuc, so I got to know Pearson really well. They're one of the top probably five integrators for Fanuc in North America. They install a lot of arms. And we started setting up partnerships with different companies throughout the country. And Pearson was on my list of targets to, to, to really go after. And I think Michael, after about my fifth email or voicemail or text, finally said, all right, I got to call this guy back. He's annoying the, the heck out of me. <laughs> he used some other language, but I, I got through to him regardless of the fact. And really, I, I, Pearson has such a strong customer base and what they do and what we're bringing to the table from the plus one side of the equation. I knew if I could get to those guys to talk about our software and, and what we're doing today in the warehousing space, that it would just be a good fit. And thus far it has been. Um, we're working with some of the same customer bases and I think we're bringing some new customers to Pearson and they're taking us into their world as well. So it's been a, it's been a good partnership with those guys and we're gonna, we're gonna grow substantially here over the next few quarters. So it's gonna be good, it's gonna be really good. And Michael, any, any follow-up to that? To, you heard Brent kind of tell the story of uh, of him giving you a lot of calls and that sort of thing. Uh, what, what, what is this partnership like on your side of things here at, at Pearson? Yeah, well, the first thing that I would say is it was it was more my own incompetence and not not responding <laughs> to the emails than it was anything deliberate. Um, you know, we just felt really fortunate, frankly, to be approached by by Plus One. You know, we had we had heard uh, you know quite a bit about them, and 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 frankly, we're really excited by that type of technology because it it really addresses some of our customers' needs. And so when when Brent reached out. Um, we just felt very fortunate to have the opportunity, you know, for the introduction to Plus One formally and, and, and really, we're really excited and, and hopefully it'll be the beginning of, of, of a really long, you know, mutually beneficial relationship. I'm confident that it will. Fantastic stuff. So as we dive into our topic today around AI-driven vision, uh, let's start off just with the basics. Um, give me the basics of AI-driven vision and what it can do, what, what that means in the first place. So, I mean, AI-driven vision, really the, the easiest way to kind of boil it down is that it approximates the human vision, hand-eye coordination, learning capacity for AI. For example, take a little kid and you, you give him M&Ms and you say to him or her and say, listen, I need you to start separating these by colors. And they, they put the yellow ones over here, the ones over there, the brown ones over there. And after a while, they're, just, they're able to do that fairly simply, right? Where a robot, it needs a little more help than that. If you, you tell a robot to go do something, it, it needs eyes in the sky, right? And 
And there are vision systems out there that can take those colored M&Ms and separate them. But those systems need to be trained. When it comes to an AI building model, after you train it the first couple of times, that, that, that robot's going to know which one's the blue one, which one's the red one, which ones are the purple ones. Whatever you throw at it, it just gets smarter over the time. Plus, when you, you add 2D and 3D into that element, it's going to be able to really grab, it's going to be able to, with the interim tool, go down there and when they're layered on top of each other, be able to tell depth and be able to grab those M&Ms the way that you just can't do with 2D or any sort of vision system today. So AI, the model, it starts, that's, that's the most simplistic way I can break down and how we're, we're doing those types of things today. So Brent, what's interesting is you were talking about 3D vision versus 2D vision and that sort of thing. And you, you gave us some details about how that works, but, but can you go into a little bit more depth about what function, functionalities 3D vision offers that maybe weren't previously available with, with 2D? Well, 2D, you can't detect the depth as, as much to identify those M&Ms that I was talking about, right? So 3D, you could do that, but it would, but you have to program every, every single possible fathom color you'd want. So in the 3D world today, we're able to to really look at like a party a party mix, a variety pack, the snack packs that we all go to Sam's Club or Costco, wherever you go, wherever you go. An AI vision, 3D vision system allows different products to be presented at once without any pre-sorting, right? So that's that's the biggest difference where all the stuff needs needs to be pre-sorted in order for the robot to be able to do what it needs to do. Hence the reason we haven't deployed robots at mass scale in this marketplace. You know, if, if, if that was the case, we wouldn't be here today. 20 years ago, they would have had articulated arms in the warehouses doing this work. But Michael can tell you, Pearson does a lot of things that are repeatable. What we're going after in this market space, it's not a very repeatable market space. So you, you really, the 3D vision is key to that along with a, a great AI model, which uh, Plus One and, and, and Pearson is gonna be deploying here at scale very soon. Yeah, I would. I, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, I think the exciting thing about, you know, the AI component and, and the 3D vision component is ironically, in order to automate a lot of our customers uh, processes, uh, it required that we we had to have them present product relatively inflexibly. It had to be very, very consistent, very, very uniform. There wasn't really necessarily always the ability to uh, present different products, you know, simultaneously, unless we were aware that they were going to be simultaneous, simultaneously presented. And then we had to pre-program that. This really is kind of allowing the system to adapt on the fly in real time. Uh, it, it gets better as time goes on. It gets smarter, so to speak, as time goes on. It allows us to really automate processes that that required. Um, a tremendous amount of, of inflexibility in the, you know, in the past. This gives us tr tremendous flexibility uh, and, and at the same time allows us to deliver, deliver the same reliability that, that our customers have come to expect. And so it's just a much more flexible, um, smart solution that we can deploy. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so, so Michael, that being the case, um, what have been some of the primary applications and, and use cases that, that you've gotten the chance to, to work with and see for AI-driven vision? Well, I mean, the, the, you know, palletizing, depalletizing, really in case packing uh, are, are, are the three areas where specifically Pearson Packaging Systems is, is going to, you know, apply this technology. Um, and, and we're working on those applications currently with, with Plus One Robotics. And so we, we believe it's just going to provide our customers 
you know, a tremendous amount of flexibility and, and, and really allow us to provide a solution that not only works for them now, but will meet, you know, the vast majority, if not all of their future needs as well. Um, and so we're really excited about it. So Brent, uh, you say that the, the robot's learning capacity is backed by supervised autonomy. Can you give us a, a few details on what that means and what that looks like? Yeah, so I mean, we call it Yonder is, is, is the software that we have, but it's a human loop solution, right? And as I said before, I was at FANUC and I had what was called the System Solution Advisor Group. And these were all the, the integrators that never wanted to touch a robot outside of the four walls of their, of their house. They, they, they relied on integrators to go out and, and deploy their software. So Plus One was one of those, those quote unquote integrators that I had under my umbrella. And they were the only one that could answer the question, what do you do in the exception? Because this entire market space is based on exceptions. The exception is the rule. Everybody's got, it has an amazing 97, 98, 99% solution, but that one or 2% it could just cripple your operation, right? So we developed what we call Yonder. And so the robot, the, the eyes in the sky, if the robot doesn't know what to do, the robot's stuck, the robot puts its hand in the air and says, I need help. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. A signal goes back to a crew chief sitting in a really comfortable chair in San Antonio, Texas. The crew chief can see what that, that robot sees and click on the box and tell the robot to go pick that box. That's the next pick. Or go pick that bag of potato chips or a head of lettuce or whatever it is. Go do this. And it does it. And our response time is just under six seconds. So if you're walking the floor, if you're in a warehouse or if you're in the back of a grocery store where these things are being deployed and that happens, if, if you didn't... If you weren't really sophisticated on, on the automation side of things, you would never know that a yonder play was was at was at place because it's like I said, it's it's just under six seconds. The robot pauses, it says I need help, and it goes back to work. That's the only way that we see a plus one able to, to deploy these robots at scale because nobody's gonna take a 98% solution because you're gonna have people running back and forth in the facility saying, I got a robot down over here, I got a robot down over there, and they gotta get that robot jogged and back up and running. And, and Michael's team, they do enough of the stuff where throughput is king. And if, if you have to stop that robot because there's a there's a, a, a box that has a piece of masking tape that wasn't there before, but all the other boxes look great, but that one piece of masking tape is throwing the vision system off, that robot's down until somebody comes back over there. So having a human in the loop uh, is key. I, I don't think we're gonna be able to get to the mass deployment of robots that all of us would like to see in North America without some sort of human intervention. So anybody who tells you that robots replacing humans, that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. I've yet to see a robot go into a facility and a human lose this job. It just, it's not happening. They have, they have to coexist. I think that was a, that was a really fascinating explanation, and you did a really good job of, of explaining how this all works together. And and Michael, one of the words that, that Brent used in that in that answer was was this helps people scale. And when you think of scaling operations and creating some efficiencies in these ways, how how are these uh, products? How is AI driven vision helping to meet some of the pain points that your customers were experiencing and allow them to scale operations and, and create some new efficiencies? Well, I think I think one of the ways, and I think Brent, you know, alluded to it earlier, is it's allowing us to automate processes that previously were very, very difficult, if not, you know, entirely impossible to automate. It required our customers to rely on manual labor, and I think it gives us the flexibility that we need to be able to, um, you know, you know, really work more effectively in a real world environment where that's characterized, you know, our, our, our customers' operations are characterized by 
um, you know, constant change and, and they need flexible solutions. I, the number one thing, you know, that I could just say is it's allowing us to, to automate processes that previously were difficult to automate. And so I think that that's really helping them uh, increase, uh, first of all, improve product quality, increase throughput, uh, and, and really more effectively redeploy their resources the way Brent was talking about earlier. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's really got the potential to have a profoundly positive impact on, on helping us improve the amount of throughput and reliability of, of our solutions. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fantastic way of putting it. And and Brent, as you were describing the person that can uh, that can kind of remote in uh, using that yonder um, that you were describing uh, using that platform, how many? I, I guess that person can oversee many robots, right? Is that possible? How many different robots can one person oversee reasonably during a day? And how does that all work? It really all depends on on the facility, but and and, and really. What type of infosec requirements people have? If they want people on prem, if they're okay with us doing it remotely, but we're going to get to a point where one person will be able to probably oversee forty to fifty robots at a time. That's that's kind of where we're going today with the the AI models that we're building. So yeah, it's it's very robust. It's 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 a pretty awesome system to be able to deploy. And I think Tyler, one of the one of the huge benefits, and and you might have you might have been the one that mentioned it earlier, is just the fact that you know the ability to um, leverage technology, like the technology that we're even using today, um, to more quickly respond to novel situations, to machine downtime, things like that, uh, you know, also has the potential just in and of itself to dramatically Im improve throughput, to reduce downtime, to help us more effectively, um, uh, you know, respond to our customers uh, in real time, as opposed to waiting for a service technician. Or, or you know, uh, you know, a, a maintenance manager to respond to a novel situation or or a machine down situation, and so I think it's it's one of the things I think that the pandemic has really taught us is is, mm -hmm. is you know leveraging the technology that we've had at our fingertips for a lot of years, but maybe haven't necessarily had um, you know uh, you know the use case you know presented so clearly, the benefits presented so clearly. We really believe that that yonder uh, and the plus one you know technology really really is going to be incredibly helpful to to our customers. It's going to improve their operations immensely. Brent, Michael brings up a, an excellent point just about the pandemic and how that has maybe shifted um, mindsets towards certain uh, technologies and maybe opened everyone's eyes to, to what's possible out there. Technology that's always been there at the fingertips and now we have the use cases necessary. What has that been like for you at, at Plus One and how have you seen uh, maybe attitudes and, 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 and uh, mindsets change towards the solutions you're presenting over the past you know, 14, 16 months? COVID has, has done so many things within the four walls of that warehouse. We're seeing it is peak right now. What we always consider peak was October 15th, call it through January 1st. That was peak, that was all hands on deck. People were hiring 100, 200,000 different associates to go in these facilities to help out for peak. Peak is happening today. It, it's not gone away. Since last March, I have told this anecdote a million times that my 81 year old father can figure out a way to get groceries delivered via the Kroger app or Walmart or Amazon there's a lot of other 81 year olds doing the same thing that were never part of this marketplace, right? So everybody is, is going gangbusters trying to automate so much. So they're looking at renting robots as a service. I, I don't know that we thought we would see that type of business model, but there's, they're doing different things because CapEx isn't always available. Operational is, 
they need robots in the buildings yesterday. If you're not looking at automating with someone like a Pearson, then you are not going to be around in a year. There's just no possible way. There's not enough talent in this country to be able to go into these facilities to help out. Human resources are so they're so precious right now. Everybody is looking to get robots in and quickly. And that's why Pearson focusing on DPAL makes so much sense. The random mixed DPAL product, it can be plug it can be plugged in over the weekend and this thing is going to work on Monday morning. It doesn't tie into a warehouse management system. It is it just goes. It's a, it's a very easy thing to deploy and it's low hanging fruit. So, um yeah, it's COVID has just stepped on everyone's throat when it comes to automation and the scale of what they need to to really deploy. You know, I think Tyler, you know, one of the things I'll add is with the labor shortages that we're currently seeing um, and the difficulty that, that a lot of, of people uh, and a lot of our customers are finding, uh, you know, hiring, you know, associates. Uh, you know, Brent mentioned earlier that this really allows, you know, it frees up the labor that they do have, uh, you know, to work on, you know, to, to frankly, you know, fully realize a better and higher purpose to work on something that's more important uh, than the menial uh, labor that they were previously doing. Uh, and so automating a lot of these processes uh, is is really, again, allowing our, not only helping them meet their quality and their throughput needs, but it's allowing them to redeploy those those human resources, which are so scarce right now um, in, in other parts of their organization. And, and we see that continuing for quite some time. Yeah, that's a, that's a really excellent point about the just about work the for, workforce right now, labor shortages, and, and the things that that we're seeing facilities um, dealing with at this time. And so I think I think the the points you make about this uh, are really really strong and worth bringing up. Absolutely. And so, guys, as we come to the end of our conversation today, I, w- I just want to turn it over to the two of you to give us any final thoughts or conclusions you'd like to make. Anything that either maybe we haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure we talk about uh, about AI driven vision or just a summary statement that uh, that helps people kind of uh, synthesize everything we've talked about here today. Uh, so Brent, let me toss it to you first. Uh, any final thoughts, anything you want to give our audience before we sign off today? I think if, if you're really considering doing some sort of robotic automation or, or articulated arms in their facility, you have to do it now. And you've got to engage with an integrator like a Pearson. You get them in there. And, and the most important thing that I, I leave on all the podcasts that I do and all the clubhouses that we're doing everything else is Finance, your finance department at the end user has to be involved at the beginning. ROIs are being calculated in, in, in such a swirly way nowadays that the finance people need to see what's going on on the floor and really understand what, what the labor shortage is doing to throughput and quality that's not getting out the building. Once the, the finance people, everyone's, everyone tells me, oh, the finance people, it's so hard to get a pass. The finance people that I've seen are so excited to do this because they see what it's going to do to get more product out of the facility. They understand that. But all too often, I think a lot of times operational people kind of keep finance people at a distance and they want to be able to give them a, a polished proposal. And they give this proposal and the finance people go, oh my gosh, the ROI is crazy. We can't pay for that in two years. We're not going to do it. But as soon as they're involved and they see how much more product and how much more profitable they're going to be, finance people, are they're the biggest cheerleaders that I've ever seen. But they got to be involved at the beginning. If you wait to the end, you'll never be able to capitalize the project and make the ROI work. So get, get engaged with an integrator like Pearson, bring them in, and, and they will help you move that ball across the line. Michael, bring us home. Uh, give us your final thoughts. Uh, that, that was a great setup there from Brent. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, guess, I, I guess I'll go back to a little bit, not to be repetitive, but what I said earlier, you know, uh, but just maybe in a slightly different context. I, I think now is a great time for 
um, you know, CPG companies to really look at some of the processes that they previously have wanted to automate, but for whatever reason couldn't justify or there wasn't an adequate technical solution, maybe because of too much product variability, uh, you know, things like that. Um, I, I think with this exciting technology, really from Plus One Robotics and, and, and our, ability, our ability to integrate it, um, I really believe that, that, that it's, you know, that there's a great opportunity to revisit some of those previous projects and, and look at them through the lens of this new technology. Uh, and so I would just encourage people, you know, if you've looked at something two, three, four, five, ten years ago uh, that, that maybe you weren't able to accomplish, there's no better time than now to really revisit it and, and to allow Plus One Robotics, Pearson Packaging Systems to, to really leverage the technology that now exists uh, to help them improve their operations. Well, guys, this is uh, fantastic stuff. And I think that uh, the way that you both uh, were able to speak about this technology, I think uh, really speaks to the power that it, it has for these facilities and, and the way that it transforms them. And so uh, Michael Sensky of Pearson Packaging Systems and Brent Barcy from Plus One Robotics. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today and sharing a little bit more about AI-driven vision. Have a good one. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your time. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Packed with Pearson. We appreciate it very much. Of course, stay tuned for future episodes of the podcast. You can subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Just make sure to go do that today or visit Pearson's website or Plus One Robotics website as well to learn more about these fantastic solutions that these companies are providing. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with more episodes of the show. But for my guests today, Michael and Brent, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us.